Nestled in the foothills of the picturesque Sierra Nevada, it was once called California's strangest vineyard. The winery was built and run by a secretive religious society called the Fellowship of Friends. The society's founder once predicted that Armageddon would happen in 2006, and also claims to have communicated with Walt Whitman and Plato. This is a story of how a so-called doomsday cult cultivated award-winning wines that have been consumed at an American president's birthday party, and maybe even by you too. Hi everyone and welcome to Sinister Societies, a Spotify original from Parcast. I am Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Every week we're going to cover your favourite cults, faith followers and secret societies. We'll have a look at some of how the biggest secret societies and cults in history have made their fortunes. And how they've also managed to run in plain sight and made people like us oblivious to the fact that we're supporting them. Today, we're going to tell you all about the Fellowship of Friends and its once flourishing and critically acclaimed Renaissance Vineyard and Winery. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Let's get into a little background on the founder of the Fellowship of Friends, Robert Earl Burton and how he went from teaching elementary school to religious leader to owning prime real estate in California's wine country. It's a well-established career path. Do you know what it kind of is? Because teachers are, firstly, you've got to look out for them, and secondly, all total records. So teacher to wine makes perfect sense, I think. To then cult leader, you know how to command a room. Well, it only takes so long. Absolutely, that's it. There's a tipping point. But the one thing I have to say, though, is I cannot say Fellowship of Friends without wanting to die of laughter. Why? Fellowship of Friends. That's a terrible name. I hate it. It sounds like you've just fan fiction Lord of the Rings. What are they called in that? The Fellowship of the Ring? Yeah. Even that's better. No, this is terrible. This is terrible. So to give you a little idea of just what we're in for, Burton once drove around in a blue Rolls Royce with the license plate that read oracle Mm, so i guess he's trying to tell us there that he has the power of incredible sight and also i think anybody with a personalized i know i'm calling out a lot of people but um welcome home um i'm your dad now anyone with a personalized number plate i is is asking you to look directly at them and i think it's a very odd thing to do well you know it fits his vibe but i do enjoy the fact that he's you know, hinting at the fact that he has um, all of this sight, but apparently not enough sight to know that that was going to make him look like a total twat. Not enough sight to foresee me being nasty about it. Um, so yeah, we don't know much about Robert Earl Burton's early childhood or his teenage years. 
But what we do know for sure is that Burton was born in Arkansas in 1939. He grew up on his family's farm until the age of four, which is quite like a grand way of saying that he grew up there. <laughs> if you're just there to your four, you didn't really grow up there. This It's like when people say they've been to India, but they've actually just been in New Delhi Airport. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh yeah, I, I grew I grew up in uh, California, but actually I, I lived there for two months. It's, it's bullshit. It's not, it's, not, it's not how it works. It's not how time works. It's not how the passage of time works. No, it, it's not. And if he were any sort of oracle, he would know that. But yeah, so he's on this farm until he's four. And then it's around this age when his mother moved Burton and his siblings to California. Here, he attended San Jose State University. And soon after graduating in 1963, he got a job at Spring Hill Elementary School in the San Francisco Bay Area. Now, one of Burton's former teaching colleagues told a local newspaper in 2008 that, quote, he was kind of one of the stars Everybody loved him. But the colleague also added that after one school vacation, Burton came back, quote, transformed. He was dressed like a hippie, complete with a headband, speaking of people who spend an afternoon in New Delhi Airport. (laughs) We are all one trip to New Delhi away from a headband. From being hippies with headbands. During this famed vacation where he learned how to style his hair differently, um, Burton, unsurprisingly, got caught up in the spiritual movement of the 60s. And in 1967, the so-called hippie with a headband resigned from Spring Hill Elementary, no doubt, to seek grander things. Three years later, in January 1970, he founded the Fellowship of Friends. At the time, he was living and preaching out of his Volkswagen bus in Berkeley, California. If someone is living in a bus... Don't do what they say. I was going to say, in the 70s in California, that's the man you follow. That was going down, wasn't it? I mean, sure, there were loads of them. I still wouldn't have been like, fantastic life choices. Please uh, take control of my entire existence. Would you like all my money and my house and my dog? That's why he kept all of his weird eccentricities a secret. That's why we don't know much about what he was really up to or what he was really into. But thanks to an LA Times article from 1996 we have managed to find a few interesting facts about Robert Earl Burton. For example, he apparently once liked to have his underwear pressed. Okay, define once. Like he talked about it Uh, once? I think... Or he only did it once and he was like, this is rubbish, I don't want to do this anymore. I think it's like at one point in his life, he liked to have his underwear pressed. I see, I don't think that's so weird. Do you know about radiator pants? No. Okay. You're literally looking at me with such fear in your eyes. I mean, I can guess what they are, and I'm not anti it. No, I'm very pro the radiator pants. Um, Our American friends, uh, we are referring to underwear, not uh, trousers. Radiator pants, alternatively, the spicier version is microwave pants. If you put your pants on the radiator, or if you're really cold, in the microwave. Mm -hmm. Snuggly undies. I mean, I can get on board with that. What I can't get on board with is ironing anything. I don't do that. I literally just bought an iron. I just, I refuse. I did refuse until creases in my decorative throw pillows in my new flat and just looking at the creases makes me feel upset. So, um... So you're ironing throw pillows? I'm, I, yes, I'm, they're on my bed. They're not in the living room. Okay. Um, but yes, I am now a person who irons bed sheets. Hello, my name is Karen Maguire. I am my mother. I mean, I like how you ended the caveat of they're in my bedroom, they're not in the living room, like that was going to make it less <laughs> weird. 
arguably fewer people will see that. So it's even weirder. But I'm not here to judge you. Not in my house. If anyone's there at all, they're coming to bed. But no. Okay, so he, Robert Earl Burton, coming back to him, um, he liked to have his underwear pressed, apparently at one point in his life. He also liked silk socks and manicures. Again, two things I cannot get on board with. You love silk. Not on your feet. On your head. Yes, pillowcase. Yes, always silk pillowcases. It's good for your skin. It's good for your hair. But socks should be, must be, cotton or woolly. No other options. And manicures, I don't like it because I don't like people touching my cuticles. It makes me feel very, very unwell. Fine, let's escape the vomit bucket and press on. The Fellowship of Friends teachings are based loosely, I'm going to say loosely is even a loose word for this, uh, very, very loosely on early 20th century Russian philosophy. And the ideas are called the fourth way. A lot of the letter F happening Mm. today. And one of the concepts of this fourth way philosophy is that humans are spiritually asleep. So are we all Russian sleeper agents? Is that, Mm. that's what I'm taking from that sentence. And all of us sleeping, Russian sleeping sleeper agents need to reach enlightenment. But we can only do that when we're in a state of constant self-awareness. That sounds horrible. Yeah, I think... I think there is such a thing as being cripplingly self-aware and it's called anxiety (laughs) and I have it. (laughs) Don't really wake up at like 2am being like, you did say that in year nine, you idiot. So Burton adapted this uh, anxiety philosophy to better suit his needs. And he thought that the needs of the Fellowship of Friends too. He insisted that his followers not give in to negative behaviours. These behaviours, P.S., are also known as behaviours that will keep him in total power over the group. And these behaviours that were not allowed are complaining and gossiping. What? Yeah. Apart from eating, they are my two favourite things to do. It's true. Complaining and gossiping and eating. It's just no dissension within the ranks. You can't be upset and you certainly can't tell anyone about it. Mm, I see, I see. And additionally, to keep everyone vulnerable, defensive body language was a no-go. What if you're cold? I don't know. I feel like because I'm quite tall, my natural stance is quite defensive because I'm trying to hide how big and massive I am. (laughs) It just makes me think of like a Pokemon. (laughs) Literally, I'm constantly hunched over like Quasimodo. You've got excellent posture. Thank you, but I I do not. I mean, you're very tall and I think you look very tall and well postured. Um, I'm sitting in a chair and it makes me look like I am even half the size I am because I'm always so slouched over. Terrible, terrible posture. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what if you're cold and you cross your arms? You're not even allowed to do that. No. This guy's a monster. And as if that was not enough, the next thing on the list that he starts to do is a cult classic. It's give me your money. Give me your money, also known as economic or financial abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, nailed it. And Christian Christian churches call this tithing, so it's like it's a, f- a very normal thing in a lot of places in the world. But Burton took it one step further. Uh, he made all of his members of the Fellowship of Friends, every single one of them had to give 10% of their salary straight to him. 10%. It's quite a lot of percents. That is a lot. The classic, classic cult klaxon. Ding, ding, ding. I know that's not what klaxon sounds like, but I don't have the um, oral posture skills <laughs> to be able to do a klaxon sound with my mouth. But yes absolute cult klaxon going off loud and proud in your ear you did hear correctly 10 percent of people's salary i thought we were doing the cult wind chime oh yeah yeah much better there you go nailed it 
Coming up, how Robert Earl Burton and his fellowship of friends created their award-winning wines. Wines so acclaimed that they were fit for an American president. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. In the same LA Times article from 96 that we were talking about earlier, Burton required his members of the Fellowship of friends to speak with British accents. And uh, some of the members even anglicized their names. And members were told to avoid using the following words. Thing, I, really, oh, and hi. First and foremost, British people are, number one, better than everyone. So I can understand why. Why he took it so far, obviously, I'm joking. I personally am a steaming pile of human garbage. But it's an odd choice. Absolutely. And if you think the whole British thing and the whole banning of these uh, random arbitrary words is weird, it's about to get weirder, my friend. Because Burton also claims that angels have communicated with him. And not just like one or two or whatever. No, no, no. 44 angels, to be precise, have communicated with him. And he says that these angels have spoken to him in the form of, as you said earlier, Walt Whitman, Abraham Lincoln, and Plato, to name just a few. It's never Jason the Chimney Sweep from Poplar, is it? No, Jason's not a very chatty angel. Out of all of the angels. (laughs) And Burton also, again, typical cult klaxon, cult wind chime going off. He also predicted some pretty extreme events. Like we said at the top of the show, this is kind of like a doomsday cult, though obviously they got heavily into the wine. And in fitting of that doomsday label, uh, Burton made certain predictions, such as, he said, in 1984, uh, there would be a massive economic collapse. And he also told his followers that in the year 1998, California would be destroyed. But his property would be saved from destruction. Firstly, 1984, one of the best years, economically speaking, in the US, coming off the back of the early 80s recession. If you look it up now, we still say things like, oh, economic recovery is almost as fast as it was in early 1984. So that is very funny. And the other one... Very funny is a stretch, I'm afraid, for your economics joke. Let's just clear this up, guys. I have a degree in economics. I have a master's in economics. I find that kind of thing very funny. And I find taking the piss out of you for it even funnier. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And this this is quite funny because when we were um, reading this, I was like, oh, so I know the first one isn't true because of economics. Is the second one true? Oh, yeah, wait, California still exists. So it's it's markedly also not true. Can confirm. Look, I didn't do geography. So these predictions were obviously wrong. And he also had another one. He predicted 
and Armageddon would happen in 2006. And I can't help but wonder if this might be something to do with him seeing Bruce Willis's film, Armageddon. Please tell me you've seen Armageddon. I have seen Armageddon. Oh, thank God for that. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Everyone relax. Um, Hannah gets very upset because I have not seen any films that are worth seeing. But I've seen all the B-rated horror films that you could... Um, I was going to say waggle your finger at. I don't know. You know what I mean. They're out there. I've seen them all. But I haven't seen any good films. What's what? I haven't seen Fight Club yet. She hasn't seen Pulp Fiction. No. She hasn't seen The Blues Brothers. I'm busy. <laughs> She's been busy her whole life. She's born busy. <laughs> Armageddon is actually one of my favourite plot holes in Hollywood history. Oh, which one? So, surely it would make much more sense to teach astronauts how to drill oil than to teach oil drillers to be astronauts. That just doesn't really... I mean, it's not got quite the same resonance for a movie, though. I mean, I'm sure astronauts wouldn't be quite as good at singing I'm leaving on a jet plane, but here we are. There you go. They have less time to go to choir practice. I think it's time for a soft... busy being astronauts. I think it's time for a soft reboot of Armageddon where the plot's flipped and Hannah makes it. Yeah, you're every character. Can't wait. So we'll never know whether his prediction of Armageddon was actually connected to the blockbusting film Armageddon. But we do know this. For someone who told their followers not to give in to negative behavior, his prophecies sounded pretty negative. Yeah, I mean, doomsday cult comes to the ground, doesn't it? And compared to some of the, some of the predictions we've heard, not the worst. In 1971, membership for the Fellowship of Friends was growing fast. So Robert L. Burton moved his headquarters from the San Francisco Bay Area to the small town of Oregon House in the Sierra Nevada region of Northern California. That's how they get you. They mm -hmm. move you from a city, move you away from that nasty urbanized area and into mm -hmm. their clutches. Oh, yes. Where no one can hear you scream. At one point, the property housed a theater, a concert hall, a restaurant and even a zoo. Burton named his 1,200 acres of land Apollo after the Greek god, which is a bit out of left field for him. Literally no reference to Greek myth thus far in this story. Was Plato Greek? Yes, he was. Well done. Whose side are you on? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> on the website of the Fellowship of Friends, the property, Apollo, is described as, quote, a place for students to work on themselves in an atmosphere of beauty, effort, and friendship. In 2002, a resident of the town spoke to the Sacramento Bee newspaper about her fellowship neighbors and said, quote, they are low key and are almost brain dead. Is that a good thing? They really are on another level. They don't make decisions for themselves. That's a wind chime. So in the mid 70s, the group decided to try their hand at making wine. Because why not? Doing all that compound communal living, I'm guessing things get quite boring quite quickly. And it was here that the idea for Renaissance Vineyard and Winery was born. The members of the fellowship claimed to have worked night and day to get the winery off the ground, offering up their free labor. And within a few years, they'd planted hundreds of acres of seeds with roughly a dozen different types of grape. It was an enormous and astonishing task to undertake, and one that is infinitely easier when you have an army of people who are quote-unquote brain-dead and don't make any decisions for themselves. And working for free. And work for free. 
By 1988, Renaissance Vineyard and Winery was finally selling its wines. It's also good to check that halfway into the episode. Yeah, guys. Sterling work been podcasting for four years such a pro by 1998 the renaissance vineyard and winery was finally selling its wines and soon earning high praise for its creations and they even won international awards do wine awards mean something i mean they do to me i buy almost all of my wine from aldi and if i go into an aldi you look you laugh but aldi has excellent wine oh no i know i'm just i'm laughing at the idea of you walking into an Aldi, which is a very budget supermarket for international listeners, um, and they have a selection of wines. I love the fact that you have been fooled by someone just sticking a sticker on a bottle of wine. They're all award-winning Aldi wines. Is it the Aldi Awards? It's the Aldi Awards. Great. And um, you can pick yourself up a nice little um, red wine for £6. They're the only place on the high street that you can easily buy organic Prosecco. And yes, that's how terrible I am. But it does make you feel less hungover. So I hear, I drink my wine through a straw, so can't relate. (laughs) Out of a box. But let's get back to the vineyard. This particular vineyard spanned over 365 acres and could produce 40,000 cases of wine annually. And in 2018, the San Francisco Chronicle reported that the winery had once had its own cement plant, made its own stainless steel tanks, and had its own barrel cooperage which is not bad considering they literally had no business plan at all but this is the thing who needs a business plan when you have dozens and dozens of slaves who apparently are engineers i don't know how to make stainless steel and make it into a tank shape i mean i know but this is true and i think a lot of people don't sort of immediately realize this fact is that cults do not want people who are unskilled they're not necessarily going after people that and I, I don't mean to imply there, Hannah, that you are unskilled and not cult worthy. Therefore, they're going out looking for people that have solid skills that can contribute to cult communal living, and those kind of people maybe know how to build a barrel cooperage. I'm sure any cult would love to have me. Thank you very much. I'm sure too. <laughs> the Fellowship of Friends sold their wines to high-end clients like the Ritz Carlton in San Francisco, and in 1994. Renaissance wines were even served at a birthday bash for former President Ronald Reagan. So in 1996, the LA Times reported that Burton had an annual estimated salary of $250,000, which today, God, made me sound very elitist, which today is crazy, 1996, oh my God. Uh, but again, this is what you can have with a slave army. But as the Fellowship's wine business was finally finding some success in the 90s, life on the vineyard soon started to look a lot less rosy. Up next, how allegations of the politicians' favourite sexual misconduct and tax evasion might have caused the vineyard's fall. Even though the Renaissance Vineyard and Winery was thought to be a successful business for the Fellowship, and despite the fact that they were winning awards and getting international attention for their wines, in 2015, they shut down operations. There are a few reasons why the Fellowship might have closed Renaissance. One might be to do with the controversy surrounding its founder. 
Over the years, former members of the Fellowship had accused Robert Earl Burton of sexual abuse. And in 1984, a former follower filed a lawsuit against Burton claiming fraud and said that Burton preyed upon young men in the group. After that lawsuit, it was reported that approximately 100 members left the fellowship. If 100 are leaving and they still have enough people to run the wine empire, that's that's an outrageous amount of people. Mm-hmm. But it's like we've seen, cancel culture is hard. It's like somebody's followers <laughs> fell by 100 followers. <laughs> it's just going to go back up They'll the next They'll be replaced. Day. <laughs> exactly. So another lawsuit was filed against Burton in 1995 when former member Troy Busby, which is probably the best name that I've heard in quite some time, alleged that Burton had seduced him when he was just a minor. And as if that's not bad enough, Troy Busby's father wrote an open letter to the fellowship that same year, claiming that Burton had demanded to have sex with him too. After that scandal, more members reportedly left the fellowship. Both of these suits were eventually settled out of court. And it should be noted that, at the time, Robert L. Burton never publicly denied the charges. And it wasn't just these allegations of sexual abuse that may have made people leave the fellowship. Because we've got to remember that prediction that Burton made, the one about the destruction of the entirety of California except literally his house. Well, when that 1998 prediction didn't happen, there was a mass exodus from the group. So, with membership numbers dwindling at a rapid pace, that 10% salary membership fee we talked about earlier was probably diminishing quite quickly. And there have also been claims of tax evasion. The classic. It's how they always get you. If they don't get you for sexual abuse, they will get you for tax evasion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The classic combo. Just a bit of sexual misconduct on the side of a nice tax evasion-shaped steak. And in 2002, the Associated Press reported that the Fellowship of Friends owed $2 million dollars in unpaid taxes. Oh boy, they are coming for you. But in 2017, the fellowship did come to a settlement and agreed to pay just over $300,000 in taxes. How very noble of them, you know, when you owe two million. As of this recording, the Fellowship of Friends still owned the property that was home to Renaissance Wines. And as of 2018, Robert L. Burton still lived on the very same property. It's been more than six years since Renaissance Vineyard and Winery stopped production, and there are still bottles of its wines on the property waiting to be sold. Yes, you, you, if you wish, can go online right now and order a case. I think I will stick with my box wine. Thank you very much. And I'm going to stick with my Aldi. I'm just waiting for Aldi to bring out an own label orange wine and then my life is solved i still haven't tried this orange wine business we need to it's just it's just not everywhere so yeah that is it guys that is the very whiny episode of the renaissance vineyard and winery and mr robert earl burton so hannah what have we learned today we have learned that it is pronounced vineyard Mm-hmm. or vineyard, but yeah. not wineyard, or winered, none of those things. Um, we've also learned that if you're going to be a leader, you can't just get distracted by sexual misconduct. You have to keep your eye on the money ball. Otherwise, you're going to run your business into ground and get caught for tax evasion. Yes, true. I have also reaffirmed something I have known for a very long time, which is the more expensive the wine the gooder it is. Mm -hmm. This is true. This is true. I also just had another little thought pop into my head. Um, Armageddon 
And then Apollo. Oh, you know what? Well done. The vineyard's called Apollo. Duh. Boom. And on that rocket-shaped bombshell. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. But make sure you remember to follow Sinister Societies on Spotify to make sure you get that brand new episode every week. You can listen to this and all other episodes of Sinister Societies for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, be sure to follow Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if that still isn't enough, you can find us over on our red-handed socials at redhandedthepod. And we'll see you next time. Sinister Societies is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Podcast. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Gemma Waters. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. Research by Chelsea Wood. And fact-checking by Cara McCurlin. And we're your hosts, Hannah Maguire and Saruti Bala. <laughs>